Hello, hey. B- Hello, bitch. Oh, there you are. Oh, my, oh my God. God. The film is finally what? back in progress. Oh, thank God. The lights just came back on. The show is coming back. Thank gosh. But it says intermission, so we have uh, a little time to chat for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's intermission. The movie hasn't started yet, so... Yeah. I think it's five-minute warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll give. They'll start flickering the lights when it's time. <laughs> and the lobby. And the orchestra will start playing. Yeah. <laughs> okay um there has been some news have you heard about miss nev campbell not returning to scream six i sure did i mean okay honestly Ugh. okay so we had like two big opinions about where this franchise should go yes and the first one we um were proven wrong when we said that hayden pentier would not come back our second one, our second big opinion about the future of the franchise was that we wanted no more Sydney, Gale, and um, that one has been proven right now for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, she actually, before she made her official statement, she was telling fans at the conventions that she wasn't coming back. They were like, can't wait. I okay. really hope you. And she's like, um, no, I'm not doing it. Oh my god, yeah, she didn't give a fuck. I was my friend was at that convention. He was sending me videos. Oh. He met Skeet. Ooh. Oh, didn't he did he make him ski all over him? <laughs> oh my god. I, I would have. No, so Nev he was like sending me vi- pictures of Nev, but he said they never actually talked to her. But I, the first thing I asked was, "Did she talk about it?" cuz that's like a big piece of news to drop the next day. I mean, I'm sure people were were curious. Oh yeah, so yeah, basically that's what happened. It came out first from some people at a convention, and then she officially released it. She said that what they were offering her, she felt did not live up to the value of which she brought to the franchise. Well, when I read it, when the offering part, I assumed that meant about her character. I'm the only one. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody else assumed financially. You went for the drama. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, she said, this is not the Sydney Prescott I know. Yes, and she may never go into details, but the whole precursor to that comment was, you know, as a woman in the industry, I fought to gather respect and da 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 da. And this just, this offer just didn't meet the value that I brought to the franchise all these years. And I'm like, that makes it sound financial. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely is financial. I'm sure they didn't offer her like a huge huge lump of money i mean she here's my thing i think she probably wouldn't be in the movie that much so maybe she was asking out of her like 
like a realistic screen time to salary. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that was maybe it was realistic, but for her and her inflated ego, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she oh was my like, God. I, it's well. just not enough. Or it could be the other side of it. I mean, maybe she's not as greedy as Americans. She is Canadian after all. And oh, true, true, true. I was thinking maybe, you know, like you said, it could be about the character of Sydney. Maybe they were going to kill her off. And she was like, I did not spend this many years building this strong character that everybody loves. I just started doing the conventions. Everybody tells me what strength I brought to them. And you're trying to kill me off. Like, no, I, ref- yeah. I refuse. In the middle movie of what's probably going to be a trilogy. Like, no. Yeah, no. They tried to I- randy her. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I think... What if they were gonna like we're gonna make her the killer and she just was one of those people who was like Sydney would never after all she's yeah all she's done yeah and then all she survived now she's gonna be the killer and then what does that do for other people like Sydney dies and then Mark is left to raise the kids by himself or that's that's just beyond that's beyond sad we already got that storyline too with <laughs> Sydney that's you know that is beyond sad, sad yes. That is true. But I think that's also maybe why they chased down Hayden Panettiere. I mean, she was over there pretending she was never going to do another movie again. And here she (laughs) is. Um, Also, some casting news for Scream 6. Dermot Mulroney will be showing up as Tara's dad, we're assuming. (laughs) No, uh, apparently. One of our, my close sources, a, a listener of ours, told me that it was, he's confirmed to play a cop. Is that true? Have you read anything about that? No, I have not read it. There's always a cop in this movie. That's exactly what I texted you. So I think he's either Tara's dad or a cop because every screen movie needs one. Yeah, maybe he's both. Or both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, that's I hope he doesn't have a small role, though. But maybe he's the new Dewey. Mm, I don't know. I feel like he'll be... I think he'll be killed off. (laughs) Okay. Something tells me. But it might be like a a little romance with him and Gail, because apparently, I just was watching this video right before we started, that Miss Courtney Cox is in uh, Scream 6 as Gail, and that apparently in the script that they had, the rough one that included Sydney, Gail's character was way bigger than Sydney's. So I was like, huh. That's right. Finally. Get us back to that Scream 3. Yeah. (laughs) Like... And Gale-centric story. And they're starting <laughs> to leak out... Um, pus. No, I'm kidding. They're starting to leak out more oh and more God. information about the film. They said it follows our four core survivors from Scream 5 as they start a fresh new chapter outside of Woodsboro. So I'm like, okay, maybe they're taking us to college again. And Jenna Ortega did a <sighs> red carpet interview, I think at the MTV and Movie Awards. And yeah, she, they just happened. Yeah, I think it was that. Because I'm like, where else should she be talking about this? She was just announced not too long ago that she was going to be in it. She said that yeah. she read the script and what she's read so far, that this is the most vicious Ghostface has ever been. She said it's going to be way more fun to shoot some of the scenes than in Scream 5. Probably yeah, because she doesn't have to fucking asphyxiate while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's like, I can breathe and run and look cute and... Uh, yeah. yeah. This time, my inhaler is on me. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, mean, further news, it's my birthday week. Actually, yes! Whatever day this comes out, my birthday is June 11th. Yes! Yeah. Happy birthday uh. to you. Uh. Happy birthday yes. to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mr. President. 
to you. Oh my God. Yay. You're welcome. The crowd goes wild. That was giving me all kinds of different personalities. It was like, it started off as <laughs> Marilyn Monroe, and then it went to like Angeline, yeah. and then it went to like Tim Curry as <laughs> of Frankenfurter. Happy yes. birthday. Um, <laughs> I was very inspired by uh, the performance of the Vivian this week on All Stars. <laughs> Multiple voices. Oh, uh, yeah. Only one of which is funny. <laughs> yeah, only. Uh, yeah, she just no shade. kind of stood there. No Shade, as Deshaun would. No Shade. <laughs> okay. uh, do we have anything else we wanted to hit on before we. I started a new podcast. Oh, yes. Tell us about that. The was my, that's my birthday gift to myself. I started my Love own it. podcast without Jake because people have been requesting that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm such a bitch. No, just kidding. No, that's not why. It's just a completely different avenue of like podcasting. I'm using it more as like an oral journal. It's called Valley Boy. Oral. Oral. Oh. Oral sex. Yeah, I do that on there. <laughs> it's just sounds of me slurping. <laughs> it's just your jo- journal entries after giving oral yeah. every time. Yeah. It was salty. It's like the vagina monologues. <laughs> you know, it's like along those lines. Yeah, right. Everybody has a different story. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yes, it's called Valley Boy, and it streams everywhere where Fear the Talking Queer streams. So um, some weeks you can get a double dose of me and Jake's influence on me. So he's there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? When I first saw the title, I was like, what the fuck does that mean, Valley Boy? I was like, he lives in Napa. But then I was like, oh, Napa Valley. You dumb bitch. That's cute. But also, my hometown is from Vallejo. It means one from the valley. Oh, my God. Juan from the valley. Juan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Juan from the valley. <laughs> so it's just like a recurring theme in my life, you know. Um, we are at our movie. Oh, and look, it's starting. Oh, the my God. Even oh. held it five minutes for us. Let's get back to our seats. Okay, we're back in our seats. Okay, well, let's get into Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. <laughs> well, Pam... Where are you going? Left or right? Right. Ah, that's too bad. Why? Well, because it was a 50-50 shot on whether you'd be going left or right. You see, we're both going left. You could have just as easily been going left, too, and if that was the case, it would have been a while before you started getting scared. But since you're going the other way, I'm afraid you're going to have to start getting scared immediately. <laughs> Death Proof, released in 2007, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Austin, Texas. The opening titles come up as Shana, Shauna. Shana, Shana, Shana. Okay, you're right, that's right. Remember that whole dialogue in there? You probably Shana. do. It's very specific. The opening titles come up as Shanna, played by Jordan Ladd, and Arlene, played by Vanessa Ferlito, drive around in their car. Shanna and Arlene pick up their DJ friend, Jungle Julia, played by Sydney Poitier. <laughs> oh my gosh, but not like the, the not old one. her dad, yeah. But not her dad. Not the, old one. <laughs> not the guy, the gal. Yeah. They drive around while talking about boys and drugs. Oh, I relate to them already. <laughs> oh my God, wait. Are we reading about our weekend last yeah. weekend? <laughs> Wait, is this for my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they cheer every time they see a billboard with Jungle Julia on it. They go to a local bar named Gueros. <laughs> That's what I wanted them to say. Ca- but- Gueros. Gueros. That's what they call it, Gueros. 
As they enter, Arlene sees a black car stopped in the middle of the street. The driver watches the girls and then speeds off down the road. God, can he take a joke? <laughs> <laughs> hey, jerk! Speed, Speed kills! kills. <laughs> Inside, the girls are approached by Jungle Julia's friend. They all make it apparent that Julia issued a challenge to her listeners about Arlene on the radio earlier. She said that she was going out with her friends that night, and if anyone sees Arlene, then they should approach her and give her a drink. When they do, they have to look her in the eyes and recite a little poem. If they do all that and call her Butterfly, then Arlene will give them a lap dance. Arlene gets after Jungle Julia for saying that on the air, but she says that if she doesn't do it, everyone will know that she's chicken shit. Oh, that would be enough for me to just do it. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Oh my god, at least she's using logic. (laughs) Julia makes a deal with her, though. If it's an unattractive guy, then Arlene can say that she was already approached and already gave the lap dance. The girls drink and then go to another bar called the Texas Chili Parlor, run by Warren, played by Quentin Tarantino, where they continue to drink up a storm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting sick of saying Quentin Tarantino's name on this podcast. <laughs> right? This is the fucking sixth movie we've done. <laughs> <laughs> the sixth movie by Quentin Tarantino. Dove, played by Eli Roth, and his friend join the girls and drink with them. Julia spends some time alone, text messaging a guy and telling him that she's waiting for him. She then rejoins her friends just as Warren buys them all shots of chartreuse. Arlene has had enough (laughs) and goes outside to smoke a cigarette. Warren notices that a light in the parking lot is off and tells a bartender to turn it on. When they do, Arlene sees the black car from before parked in the lot. That's that's a good that's good directing. The car is owned by stuntman Mike, played by the delicious, delectable, devilish Kurt Russell, who is in the bar sloppily eating nachos. Dov and his friend want to have sex with the girls, but they're going to a vacation house for a strictly girls-only weekend. Dov plans to get the girls extra drunk so that they will let them come over as well. Ew, skis. Yeah, delusional. Dov makes fun of stuntman Mike due to his 1980s clothes and hairstyle. Also at the bar is Pam, played by Rose McGowan, an old hag. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh, an old witch. (laughs) A mysterious blonde witch. Um, A mysterious white-haired woman. (laughs) (laughs) At least now we know what Tatum would have looked like had she grown up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She found some toner. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's an old schoolmate of Julia, whom she has a little rivalry with. Pam asks Warren if he knows anyone dependable who can give her a lift home, when a set of keys slide across the bar. Stuntman Mike offers to drive her home, but she'll have to wait until he's ready to leave. Pam asks if he'll be sober enough to drive later on, but Stuntman Mike says that he doesn't drink alcohol, which prompts her to ask why he's been hanging around the bar for hours. Stuntman Mike says that the bar offers more than alcohol, including women and nachos. Lena Frank, played by Monica Staggs, shows up and hangs out with Julia. At one point, they go outside and smoke some pot while Stuntman Mike introduces himself to Julia. He pretends not to know who she is, even though there's a big billboard of her right next to him. She offers him some pot, but he declines. It looks like he's about to sneeze for the longest time, but he doesn't. He excuses himself and goes back inside, making the girls think he's a loser. Inside, Pam has been talking to Warren, and neither knows which film Stuntman Mike has been in. 
He gives a whole laundry list of TV shows and actors from the 1970s and 1980s, but Pam is not familiar with any of them. Later on, Julia asks Arlene if she wants the boys to come back with them to the house, but she says no. Stuntman Mike approaches Arlene with a drink, looks her dead in the eyes, recites the poem, and calls her Butterfly. Julia says that Arlene already did the lap dance earlier. Stuntman Mike asks if it's his scar across his face that frightens Arlene, but she says that it's his car. She recognizes it from earlier. Julia again tells him that she already did the lap dance, but he doesn't buy her story. He knows that Arlene feels a little hurt that no one approached her before to recite the poem and smooth talks her. He then pulls out a notebook, which he says has the names of all the people he's met, and says that he's going to have to put Arlene's name under chicken shit. This is a huge insult to her. Like, yeah, you, I'm a she lot of things. She does not like being called chicken shit. But chicken shit? Uh-uh. Chicken shit? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> She's enticed by him and agrees to give him the lap dance. She tells him to go inside and get ready. Arlene gives Stuntman Mike his lap dance, which is cut from the theatrical version, as the bar is closing up for the night while a few patrons, including the crazy babysitter twins from Planet Terror, <laughs> watch with interest. Here are these bitches come with again. Interest. <laughs> with interest. Like, mm, and their okay. Avril Lavigne um, costumes. Yes. They're, they're, like, they're Ashley Tisdale outfits. <laughs> and that... Brenda Song standing back there. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and their hair that like, oh God. That, this those is, enormous scene this kid is my bangs. high school. Yes, exactly. The flat ironed hair, the side bangs. Yeah. I'm surprised the they didn't have like the tiger stripes like in one section <laughs> of the hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. High school. Musical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A little later, with the bar closed for the night, everyone is leaving. Mike approaches Pam and again offers to drive her home, though she says to the other girls that she won't have sex with them, which he overhears. Pam is a little freaked out by his black car, which has a skull and crossbones on the hood. Stuntman Mike assures her that the car is deathproof, due to being a stunt car, and it's reinforced on all sides. He opens the passenger door for her, and she notices that the passenger seat is only a removable stool, and there's a plexiglass barrier between it and the driver's seat. She sits down, and he slams the door shut. As they begin to leave, stuntman Mike sees Julia and her friends turning to the left. He asks Pam which way she's going. She's going to the right. But he tells her that that's too bad, because they're both going left. She's immediately alarmed. Stuntman Mike slams the gas and speeds off to the left. He swerves around hard, causing Pam to be thrown around in the seat. She's bloodied, and she begs for him to stop and tell her this is a joke. He tells her that the car is 100% deathproof, but in order to get the benefit of it, she really needs to be sitting in the driver's seat. Stuntman Mike slams on the brakes, causing Pam to smash her head on the dashboard, breaking her nose, and apparently sending pieces of it into her brain. Oh my god, how did they Whoa, figure that that's out? That's quite the Wait. medical analysis. <laughs> yeah, what are you, a doctor? It's all apparently sending pieces of it. Yeah. Maybe because they were like, <laughs> how did she just get a broken nose yeah, and how- die? I know. Well, pieces yeah, of her nose I, bone I, must have went into her brain. That only makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sitting, I, every time I watched this, I was like, wait, but like, what did she die of? Like, a brain? Brain aneurysm <laughs> or something, yeah. <laughs> An aneurysm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A stroke <laughs> from her skull getting crushed in. She dies painfully as he watches. 
He then lowers his visor to pull out photos of Julia, Arlene, and Shannon. He throws out the photos and speeds off towards the girls. Lena drives the girls down a rural dark road, Julia in the front and Shannon and Arlene seated in the back. Stuntman Mike catches up and speeds ahead of them. While the girls enjoy a song that Julia had called her radio station to request, Stuntman Mike swerves the car around up ahead in the road and turns off his lights. He revs the engine and speeds towards the girls head on. He turns on his lights at the last possible moment, but it's too late for the girls. Both cars collide and carnage ensues. Shanna is thrown from the car and dies from the impact. Lena's neck is broken as it's smashed against the steering wheel. Julia is mangled and her severed right leg goes flying. And as Stuntman Mike's car careens through their car, one of the tires brutally rips Arlene's face off. Whoa! Whoa, that is so fucking intense. <laughs> That is so fucking funny. I'm just kidding. I do. It's so cute. I do like that this um, movie g- starts off with sort of the grittiness that Planet Terror had, but not as yeah. much. It just, it's not giving us as much. And I don't know if Planet Terror was digitally done, but I know that this one was like hand scratched. That makes that sense. Look. This movie to me feels more authentic looking like the 70s yeah it puts me in that like frame even of mind just the sure. film yeah the yeah. film like that uh, we, that disco glow we like to talk about oh, like uh, you'd like to use that on my pictures on instagram <laughs> <laughs> yeah my one hour photos from the year 2003 <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> porcelain dolls yeah yes <laughs> and um, yeah this movie looks like it actually belongs to another time like even yeah. more than planet terror does and it, you know it does sort of feel like things that happen in it like it's weird because there's like modern you know for 2007 technology in it but the movie does look like it's from the 70s so it is it creates these like anachronisms that you're like not really sure when this movie's taking place <laughs> yeah exactly like there's some new technology oh she's a cell phone yeah she's a cell phone but the cars are really old but they're using jukeboxes but they're using but yeah like, it's like you know it's, the cars like, are from the 70s the jukebox is from the 50s and her cell phone is yeah. from 1998 <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's really cool that way and i really do enjoy like the look of this film it's it's so cool it just feels so authentically old and gritty and low budget yeah and he paid a little more attention to well i guess their styles are they're just using different references i'm sure in right. their styles of course and the approach yeah. of this one doing the choppy editing where some of the lines are cut out and some of them are like midway already talking oh yeah and, and some of them are repeated repeated in different versions i i really yeah. do enjoy that there's even I some moments like where that... you see the shadow of the camera that totally seems oh, intentional yeah. Right, yeah, because these movies that were made for you know in the Grindhouse era were not like high budget productions. Like these were people just you know making movies for the sake of making movies, you know. So they're probably not all technically incredible. And also, one of the things that happened a lot, which is why these films are so scratched. Can't remember if I talked about this in Planet Terror or not, but um, the the films were past. There's only like one copy of every film, so they were passed around to different theaters. It's not like everybody got one, so these films would travel, which is why they were so scratched, which is why they were missing pieces. And uh, you know, maybe somebody's projector over here burnt this 
frame or this whatever and they just oh, had to stitch it back together wow. that's that is why these films look the way that they do i love because that there's only yeah there's only one of them that was made and they traveled isn't that cool that's such a cool thing that i read I think that's cool because it just goes yeah. to show like the history. It's almost like when they used to do that thing with the dollar bills where you could see where your dollar went. You just go oh, on the yeah, website yeah, yeah. And, and you could see the list of people that owned that had that dollar. That's so oh, interesting that, to me. That is. Yeah, I know. Just traveling around and you know, the you, you when you get like a crisp dollar and then also when you have a really shitty one, like what's that dollar story? Yeah. <laughs> what's the story? I know, especially when you see the like num the year on it and it's like 1984. It's like, "Whoa." You're like, oh my god, this has been in circulation for so this long. This dollar could have been in a movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it could have been. It could have been between some, uh, you know, Cardi B's breasts or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, at one point. It could have been they're... and set it off. Queen Latifah could have been stealing it from a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that it's actually illegal to show real money in film? Oh. That's why, that's why money always looks like... Uh, hey, Monopoly. Like, yeah, Monopoly money in movies because I think it's illegal to film actual dollar bills. Give me a break. Isn't that weird? That's like bizarre. You can't, I mean, I, I always wonder that. Like, if in a movie, I don't think I've ever seen like real dollar bills. They always look fake. Like, yeah, they're always too, too nice or, or too big or yeah, yeah, or wrong the proportions color, are like, off. Yeah, they're like a little more like teal than they are green. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I never thought of that at all. I always thought I always thought some of it was real, like the top ones, and then everything underneath yeah. it was sort of like that. But who? Yeah. Yeah, but who's coughing up that money? <laughs> who's protecting that money? The producers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch that money. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, exactly. I need that for you know my Jack in the Box on the way home. One of the things about this movie that seems a little off because I know some people recognize this actually as Quentin Tarantino's worst film. You know who else thinks that? Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Yeah, no, yes, of course. Yeah, he said it himself. He said I might have been a little too this or that with the movie. But but this is also what he says. He's like, but if Death Proof is my worst movie, I think I'm doing pretty well. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's a great movie. But one thing I don't think that I love about this is the dialogue in this opening. Sure. There's a little too much of it and it doesn't really go anywhere. And it feels like yeah. it should be iconic, but it's like not. That that's I know. It it's like like the butterfly poem and stuff like that. I'm like I love I, I love that part, but I love I that feel part. Like that's, that's, but this why? is the most common criticism of this movie is that it's too padded with dialogue and then the action comes and when it comes it's fantastic. But yeah, in between, it's like, well, what are we Sneeze watching? Fest. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but even though I, even though I do find the dialogue to be really fun, and I think that these actresses like are so on top of their shit, like they, you could tell they they make it feel so natural down. and organic. It's so natural, like, and that's so hard because a lot of these scenes go on for a long time. Like these dialogue yeah. scenes don't quit. No, they don't, and. Because it is a Quentin Tarantino movie, you do sort of want to like pay close attention and listen to everything, pick up on all the little cues and things like that. Yeah. But this movie, you don't have to do that. You're literally just watching people be casual so that later yeah. it's like devastating when they're gone. Right, exactly. Exactly. Like it makes them relatable, but also it's like, okay, well, 
how about we tie in some of this dialogue to what the action in the movie is exactly um, but they're just but ob- I mean, obviously oblivious yeah. to what's coming so of i guess that's of course the misdirection i guess is intentional sure. in that way right there's less mystery to it like these this isn't like characters who know that there's a serial killer who are talking about a serial killer you know or exactly these living these are girls just living their day so our, like, our movie starts off with you know arlene and shanna uh, picking up Julia, and then yeah. we have this scene in the car where all they're talking about is boys, boys, and Sex. weed. Yeah, yeah. There is this line in that though that I love when I think it's when Sh- Shanna tells Julia because Julia is kind of giving Arlene a hard time, and Shanna goes, yeah. "Okay, mean girl in a high school movie." You're in a high school movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of it is really funny. I really love Jordan Ladd in this. She's yeah. so funny Sh- as Shanna Banana. She's Shanna hilarious Banana. to me. She's a really random part, like, but her part is so funny. Like, she's like this blonde, weird, kind of stoner chick who's kind yeah, of like ditzy, but has a yeah. hippie, but has like this, like, deep southern accent. It's so funny. <laughs> and yeah, she has that good line, like, the Mean Girl in a Haskell movie, and uh, what she calls Julia a grumpy bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's sort of. I think she's also just funny. It's sort of like a toned down version of um, Miss. Britney Snow and X. Yes, yes, exactly. Because her parts is uh, yeah. She's like she's like she's the common version. If, yeah, you know, common. If Miss, uh, what was her character's name? Something May Daisy Duke. What the fuck was her name? Uh, Bobby Lynn. Bobby Lynn. Bobby Lynn. Daisy Duck. Yeah. <laughs> Daisy. Daisy Duck. Yeah. Bobby. If Bobby Lynn is like the celebrity heightened version, like Miss Shanna is the common girl yes, version. Exactly. Exactly. I, I I'm actually surprised because I, I kind of am familiar with Jordan Ladd's name, but yeah, I didn't even know this was Sydney Poitier's daughter. Yeah. Because what else has she been in after this? I know. But I have to say, she has the most beautiful hair. That first shot oh, of her when taking her hair, her hair out of her t-shirt. Yeah. <gasps> I was dum, like, dum, dum, who dum, is dum, this? Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. And she looks stellar throughout. Like, her the yeah. her height, the length of her legs. Oh, my God. She looks fantastic. And there's an amazing scene, like, where she's dancing in front of the jukebox that... And she's like whipping her hair around, and it is honestly hypnotizing. It's hypnotizing, and not you know obviously we're not looking at her in that way, but there's still something so magne- magnetic about her performance, right? Magnetic about it, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm totally tuned in, especially as a gay person. You know, we love when women are fabulous, yeah. And she's very that. I was surprised that they went with her being Jungle Julia and. Vanessa Ferlito being Arlene because of the the whole lap dance situation. Like I was, I did not right. feel the same way about that lap dancing, <laughs> and I now see why it was cut out of the theatrical version. Because <laughs> it was because she embarrassed herself. She embarrassed herself and the ballroom community. <laughs> I just, um, I don't no. know. It just wasn't as as like you said, magnetic as um, yeah, Sydney Magneta. Poche as um, yeah, Magneta as. Um, <laughs> As a uh, Jungle Julia dancing, yeah, I lo- and I I do love this scene though of them sitting at the at Guero's and uh, she's explaining what she did on yeah. over the air. I think that I don't I don't know why I'm in- invested in it, but for some reason I am because it's like I think it's when the friend the comes the over and they're acting it out. I love yes, that part. It's just like 
it, it's like Quentin Tarantino takes like a conversation that could be so boring and <laughs> shakes it up and makes it so interesting to watch. Well, we do that like, when we talk to each other. Well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. We're geniuses. Like, I, I was watching this thinking like, this is like us hanging Something out. Something we would do. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we Just used to go to the Castro, this- like this is us driving there and like... Yeah. Like, okay, all right, now play this part for me. Okay. Uh, like, you know, acting yes, out a scene. Exactly. Like, that is something that we would for sure do. Or star- or one of us quotes a movie and the other keeps it going. And then it just becomes, yeah. oh. we're, we start to live the movie because it's just synchronicity. <laughs> it's synchronicity. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, this is all actually, though, foreshadowing something that happens later in the movie. Yeah. And which is important. So this whole scene is technically important. But True. in the moment, you don't really know why you're watching it. You're like, okay, you're like, this is so interesting, but when are we going to get to the death part of the movie, right. you know? And why these um, girls? And why these girls? Yeah, that's never really explained either. But um, I, I like the bet. I like that it's like you have to say this like poem and all the stuff. I love the moment when um, Arlene is, starts playing along and she's like doing the dialogue back and forth, but she's kind of being passive aggressively bitchy to jungle Julia. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, Oh, now who wants to get to the point all of a sudden? And then she goes on that long rant about <laughs> all the men that she's fucked. <laughs> and she's like, I don't wear their teeth marks in my butt for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was like, not nah, Miss jungle Julia saying that. Not the, butt, not the bite marks on the booty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't wear their teeth marks in my butt for nothing. I was like, that is a fucking hilarious. Line. <laughs> Like, hey, out of all the things she could have (laughs) (laughs) thought about to say. But that's what, yeah, but that's who Jungle Julia is. Jungle Julius, she's on Julius. (laughs) Jungle Julius Caesar. (laughs) Um, uh, No, Jungle Julia, she's obviously like the alpha in this group. I mean, this this group consists of, you know, many alphas, I think. You know, these ladies are strong. She's definitely the strongest of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah, but she she has the hardest exterior, I would say. Yeah, she's totally. She's like the she's like a cool girl, like she's a fucking bad girl, and she knows it. Exactly, and it's probably because she's a local celebrity, so she's feeling herself. Yeah, of course, like us. This is how I act. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but we've been like that. Wait, we are Jungle Julia. We're we do what she does. Yeah, we're DJs. The, yeah, for horror hell movies. Yeah. yeah, we're literally her. Oh my god! But I have like. Oh, an eighth of the hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I know we should do a challenge like this. All right, Frankie, if you're li- <laughs> um, if somebody comes out to- up to you in public and they uh, rap to you the lyrics of uh, "Body" pussy. by Megan. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have to uh, give them a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Even if it's a woman. Deal. No. <laughs> yeah. Not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give her a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Give her a blowjob. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Is Eli Roth hot? Oh my god, okay, so Eli Roth is hot in real life, I think. In this movie, he is not hot. He wasn't hot <laughs> in, like, the early 2000s. No. He's way hotter now like, as a zaddy. Oh yeah, because he, like, you know, he got in shape, and he got, like, all big for Inglorious Bastards after this and everything. 
But here he's like a dweeby. Oh god, and his style is so. Oh, it's horrid. Two thousand seven. It's horrid. It, again, it it, it's like that. High, it reminded me of flashbacks. the guys that would be on that show next or Room Raiders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It was like it was like the college guys in that in house bunny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, like so that era. like corny and like yeah Abercrombie, Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> Yes. Have you watched that documentary on Netflix? No. You need to watch that. There's a there's a Netflix documentary about Abercrombie and Fitch. It is fascinating. Is it good? It's pretty good. It's not like the most amazing documentary I've ever read, oh. but it was, it's really interesting about. Oh, how you read it? A, <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. It's uh, basically <laughs> it basically talks about how something that's so. It was so heterosexual, ah. but was but was like marketed so gay, and how that was like a fascinating thing, and how and also went into like goes into a deep dive about the dark parts of it, about how they were literally hi- like only hiring cute people. They wouldn't schedule people who were ugly or who they thought were as, or were you know not as attractive. Like you got your schedule based on how attractive you were. Well, that's what and, it, and brown people never got scheduled. Oh no! See, that's the problem. Because those are the most attractive. They would be hired because they had to, but then they would no. not be scheduled. <laughs> so they were just on the roster. Yeah, it's it, you have to watch this documentary. It's That's so weird terrible. and fascinating. But I do remember them being like people, they would only hire attractive people because they would call them yes. Amber Crabby and models. Fitch models. Yeah, this is what this is all about. You have to watch this. So it's it makes so sense that ugly people won't get scheduled, but <laughs> I yeah, I totally agree with them. But not when they start discriminating against race. Like, no 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 no. You don't dictate to me what because I've seen some of those Amber Crombie and Fitch models and they are not cute. <laughs> Who's Amber Crombie? <laughs> Amber Amber Crombie and her husband Mitch. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I don't like um Eli Roth's little friend in this. I feel like first of all that he's oh. gay. And second of oh, all, oh, I know he seems so gay. So well, he's the character, which gay. he's whiny. He like wants so to make whiny. out with. With I I feel weird calling her Arlene. And to me, her name is Butterfly. Barfly. <laughs> yeah, Barfly. <laughs> no, her name is Butterfly to me. Right, so gonna, that's true. I'm probably gonna call her Butterfly, guys. Just to let you know. Yeah, but I don't like that he asks her to make out. They, he tries to whine. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. I want to make out. I'm like, who wants to make out? And she finds it attractive. What do you want to do? What's your alternative to that? Blow jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I want a blow job. I just feel like <laughs> now knowing what kind of shit goes on in people's mouths, I just don't <gasps> want to make what out. What goes on from blow jobs? Well, not from oh, blowjobs, oh, but oh, just what goes okay. on in, like, in people's like, oh my mouths. God, what a blowjobs do to your like mouth. Like <laughs> sucking other people's saliva out of their mouth is disgusting. Oh, but not their wiener where they like pee out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me no, of that meme fine. where it's like, y'all be eating ass, but it won't eat the black part of the banana. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you, y'all be eating ass, but you won't eat the heel of the bread. <laughs> <laughs> the heel of the <laughs> but it's true I'm, I'm like no i'm not gonna eat that i know i'm like i'm not no i didn't know that's what it's called the heel yeah oh, i always call it the hoof <laughs> the hoof of the bread i'm not eating the, the hoof. hoof that's what i say <laughs> yeah but then you're like bend over i'm just like make a sandwich i'm like now there's only two pieces <laughs> left and one of them's the hoof <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, so stupid. 
But um, I know the, the, these characters are so, well. They're also like complete pigs. Like all they want to do is get these girls wasted. Which I'm like, oh god, of course, Jesus Christ, Quentin. Here's some dudes trying to date rape these women practically by getting them too drunk to be able to you know say no. Yeah, ex- of course. Brought to you by our friends at the Weinstein Company. Yeah, exactly. I wonder who thought of that plot line. Yeah, probably them. <laughs> Warthogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we get more characters. We get... Uh, oh, wait. What do we think about Miss Arlene? I like Arlene. She's like a, a badass Brooklyn broad. <laughs> yeah, she's a badass... That is exactly the description. <laughs> a badass Brooklyn broad. <laughs> yeah, the way she the way she talks yeah. is so funny. Like, I don't know if I can do a Brooklyn accent. I love that she looks sleepy. That's like a huge <laughs> aesthetic for me. She has bedroom eyes. She has that like, teeny tiny nose. She has a brilliant smile. Yeah. It's like very big. But at the and, same time, uh, she has this strength to her. Like she looks a little rough. Yeah. Like she could beat the fuck out of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like these, these are not like. These are not, these are not damsels like, in distress. No, these are like tough ass broads. Like yeah, Jungle these Julia. Are like, yeah, Miss Butterfly Arlene. These are bar Shanna, hopping broads. Late that Lena smoke, Frank, who smoke looks, cigarettes yeah. and be fucking beat up bitches that like Pam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the skinny fake. What did you call her? A skinny fake bleach blonde bitch or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Pam's um, like the polar opposite. She's like this dainty like whisper fairy. in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This little gel fling, like <laughs> she literally looks like she has like light beaming off of her skin <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Doesn't she? This she literally looks like she's ball. glowing. Yes, <laughs> like she's like an a- like an angel or something, which is hilarious. Which I guess maybe is on purpose, maybe to look her look, make her look like sweet and innocent. But also, the hair and the skin are literally the same color. E- uh, no, literally. The only thing that we can see facial wise is her red lipstick and her black eyelashes. And the two, two do- yeah, two dots for eyes like a snake. <laughs> I will say though that once we start to get to meet Pam and Stepman Mike, I do really like the way they filmed it and the dialogue and how she's talking to Warren and he's sort of answering yeah. who Stepman Mike is as he watches her like. Yeah. Sort of, you know. There's so I mean, he's Quentin has an eye and he's really brilliant, he has brilliant an eye. about how he shot these things. And again, like, yeah. like I always say in every Rose McGowan movie that we do, I love the way she speaks. I think her the way yeah. she talks is like perfect for this. <laughs> yeah, Stuntman Mike. Yeah, she's so I yeah, I really like her. Again, these are her two best movies ever. She's so great in them. Okay. You you've gotta control yourself. Oh, sorry. sorry it is sorry. Scream, I forgot. I forgot. Jawbreaker, Planet Terror. I wouldn't even put Death Proof on it. <laughs> that was like Devil in the Flesh. What is Devil called? in the Flesh, yep. That's... Who even saw that? We, we can't even find that movie to illegally stream. No, we couldn't even bootleg it. That was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but Rose is so great in this. Um, you know, we it, get introduced to Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike is... Uh, you know, wearing this icy hot jacket, which is funny, when she calls him icy hot, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he's uh, apparently a bunch of other dudes, very famous actors in Hollywood, were considered for the role of stuntman Mike, and yeah. Kurt Russell was not the first choice. Now he's like the when, last. <laughs> yeah, he was like the last choice for this movie, <laughs> but he turned out to be 
you know, perfect. Quentin found, found a way to justify it. And he's like, you know what? I love it because, um, it's been a while since we've seen Kurt Russell be like a badass. Oh. I guess like in, in his early days, like, you know, he was doing like the escape from whatever movies, like, yeah, New York he was like kind of an action star. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I guess he, he's been softened for a, a while since then. So Quentin was excited about the idea of making Kurt Russell a badass again. Yeah. The person that by making him a w- murderer, <laughs> Right, like a badass fucking oh. action star. He's all a perverted murderer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to, to Quentin, that's badass. Um, yeah, I know. He, loves he that. thought the perfect person for Stepman Mike was actually Mickey Rourke. Did you read about that controversy? No, what was the controversy? So I didn't read that. He but. had discussed directly Stepman Mike to Mickey Rourke, and Mickey Rourke was like, Yeah, that'd be awesome. And he's like, You're perfect for it. But his greedy ass uh, uh, agents were trying to get more money. They thought that Quentin Tarantino would spend any amount of the budget on trying to get him in this film. So they held out on him and were renegotiating, renegotiating. Quentin's like, you know what? Fuck this. And hired Kurt Russell. I'm like, whoa. And wow. I wouldn't be pissed. I would fire my team. Yeah. Shady shit. That sucks. Whatever. I mean, Mickey Rourke. He had a what? What came? Didn't the wrestler come out of this? He like got an Oscar nominee, so or uh, I think he won an Oscar. I don't remember. I don't remember for the wrestler, but um, so maybe, movie. maybe if he had taken this, he never would have gotten that, and you know, so who knows? It's probably right. a blessing in disguise for Mickey. A hundred percent, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he would have been great. Um, yeah, I, I so. Uh, we get some random scenes in, in between here. Between, like, the girls talking and, I guess, uh, then the stuntman Mike, um, P- Pam conversation, where Jungle Julia, she kind of goes off and has this, like, random, like, romance happening with some person over text. And there's, like, this really dramatic story that seems to be playing out that we have no backstory for. And never n- learn anything about it later. Nope. She's, like, texting this guy... Chris or whoever the hair she's like where are you get to the bar I miss you and then like the really dramatic music like the piano music plays when she's like what, what did she say I don't remember but she said they're like kind of like having like flirtations over the, this text message yeah and it's like oh there were, there's some really dramatic love story going on from Jungle Julia but then nothing ever happens because she, she dies. We don't like even minutes. find out who that person is. <laughs> yes, it's so random. And again, it's like those things that I like them. I just <laughs> what do they have to do with anything else? It's so weird. I know. I, I like that. It's like they're filmed so cool, and the music is so cool because it's all taken from different mediums and different. Yeah. Um, you know, there none none of the music in this movie is original. It's all taken from other things. And so I think that's cool. Like, so what I'm watching is very cool. It's just like confusing about why, what it has to do with the rest of the movie. Seriously. Maybe Grindhouse movies were like that. Maybe I just haven't seen enough where it's like plot, whole plot points just don't even go anywhere. Just bad writing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, that's the thing. It's like, I'm sure yeah. Grindhouse movies were full of bad writing. So how does a incredibly gifted writer translate that? Yeah. Write purposefully bad or you know a bad script, but trying, but in a good way. It's into highbrow probably, entertainment. 
Yeah, it's it seems like it has to be a very hard um, balance you know, task. Yeah, 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 totally. I do like the backstory that we're kind of getting from these girls just being so local, like kind of like socialites, and they meet up with Lena or Lena, Lena, whatever, and um, and Pam talking about how she went to school with Julia, and she gives this backstory of like Julia uh, beating up guys and girls and just being like (laughs) this badass broad, like we said she is. Yeah. Yeah, oh my god, that line where she's like, I'm sorry I'm built like a girl and not like a black man. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god, I know. There's racist dialogue <laughs> in both of these movies. Oh, No, actually, all, mostly I, in yeah. this movie. Oh, for sure. Of course, Quentin Tarantino's dialogue is always, like, slightly racist. Always. Isn't it? Okay, I have a question. Again. What? If you were Arlene, waiting for somebody to approach you and say the butterfly poem and all this, would you give... Statman Mike, the lap dance. Um, happily. Just kidding. Me no, too. Um, and the happy ending. Yeah, like, oh my <laughs> god, yeah. Exactly. I get butt naked in the bar in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just rub your ass cheeks against his wee-wee through his jeans until he comes. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. Exactly. And that's how we do it here. I fear the talking queers. <laughs> always um, foul. But I, yeah, always. I do love that scene, though when they're like it's like so beautifully shot because it's like you know the rain and is is coming down it's like uh, pouring with her on the porch and their feet are just kind of dangling under the rain of course it's so yeah. oh my god and they're like just like smoking a joint it just like looks like heaven you know just like they're all kind so of like relaxed lounging yeah and then who comes along but stuntman mike and it freak I, I like when it like kind of freaks arlene out at first and we get that line where he's like, where she like, what does he say? He's like, uh, duh. Is it my scar? And she goes, no, it's your car. And I remember they played that in like all the promotional material. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's so, it's so like cheesy dialogue, but it's like so well done that it's, it's like purposely cheesy. Exactly. You know? Is it my is scar? It your, is it my scar? No, it's no, your car. It's your car. <laughs> you know, in the trailer. Yeah. Um, uh, I just love it, and so. But then he, they have this really amazing kind of back and forth where he like, he starts saying the poem, and all of a sudden everybody, you know, everybody who now knows about the poem from that scene earlier while watching this movie is like, oh shit, what is she gonna do? Is she gonna give this dude a lap dance? We know that, uh, and, you know, obviously something is not completely right with stuntman Mike just from knowing what this movie's about. Yeah. Like, is this going to get dangerous? And we watch him do the whole thing. He does the whole poem and then he has to, you know, convince her to, to do it. And she's just sort of frozen, but she's kind of like into it. Yeah. I think that once he started saying that she was upset because no one else came. Yeah. That is, I love that. That he was like, that she had to, she felt like she had to do it. She was like, I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to let this man punk me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because she you can tell she has a lot of uh, pride, you know, from mm-hmm. just the previous dialogue with, you know, she seems very powerful when it comes to men. So she doesn't want this man to have um, anything on her, you know. Right. Because she, she's the one in charge. She's the one setting the rules when she's going to go make out with Eli Roth's friend. She's like, you know, <laughs> make sure my hair doesn't get wet. Kiss good. Don't whine. Like, she she's the rule. She's the one who dishes out the rules and now he's 
he's challenging her and she can't handle that and that's fucking cool that's cool writing yeah it's also cool that they can sort of style him like he looks in those john carpenter films <laughs> oh yeah yeah just like course, totally sure. 80s and like shaggy yeah exactly and again like another sort of anachronism but like what do, when does this take place like is he's like this 80s man and there's girls look like they're in the 70s <laughs> but they're using 2000s technology yeah and, yeah so Pam cool. looks pretty normal. She looks like she's from also the 2000s. Really? She looks really 70s to me with that like, middle she? part. She kind of looks like a Manson girl. <laughs> kind of. Her like flowery top with like the winged sleeves. The bell like, she sleeves. Needs, like, yeah. yeah, she needs like a, a headband. Like a little... With flowers. You know, like a yeah, flower headband. Okay, that would totally take it over to the edge. <laughs> yeah, of the 70s. Yeah, exactly. A peace sign necklace and some circle glasses. I do That's love her as sort of a giggly ditz as like they start yeah. to leave. The bar closes and they start to leave and Stuntman Mike's like, I'm going to give you a ride, yeah? And, she, and yeah. she's like, eh. Okay. Yeah. She's like, okay. She's like kind of excited and, you know, yeah, she's, she's into excited. it. Do you think that she wanted to have sex with him? I don't think she did. I don't know. The way she sort of like is over intrigued as to who he is, what movies very he's trusting. done. Very trusting. Especially in that fucking car. I wouldn't get in that car. Yeah, well, that's fucking scary. That's what she says when she sees the, <laughs> the skull. Yeah. That's fucking scary. <laughs> She's yeah. like fully playing into this like dumb ditz character. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would get, would you get in the car? I mean, there is something about that barrier between the driver and the passenger seat that he makes a good point about. He's like, at least I'm not going to get fresh, put my hand on your knee. And that would give me comfort, right? Like, well, at least he's not going to try anything while we're driving. But I'd be like, where's the seatbelt? Where the fuck is the seat? Where's the seat? <laughs> I'm not driving in this. I'm gonna get tetanus. I don't think I have my shot. Yeah. So I just have to put that metal pole at my ass, and then we'll we, <laughs> we can go. Yeah. Oh my Is god. Is it sanitized? <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. I also. Yeah. What would you lo- do? I um. Call a taxi. I'd be. Well, she seemed to be for pretty friendly with the other girls by the end of it. So I was like, I would I ask know. them for I- a ride. I know. I love that we get the lap dance. We see the lap dance in this version of it, in the full one. Yeah. And the lap dance is, is I don't, I mean, she's Lackluster. doing what she can do. She, <laughs> it's not the world's greatest lap dance, but I do like when she gets on his lap and she starts moving her hips. I'm like, okay, yeah. there we go. There's sure. a little something coming out. It's not. And I love the song. On a scale from one through 10, it's not below a five, but it would be like a seven. Like yeah. it had its yeah. moments. But for the most part, it's the it's the flip flops for me. Like, I yes, not sexy or not cute. Not sexy. Yeah, I know. Maybe if she was like, yeah, she had she was wearing something different. Those shorts aren't flops. flattering. Like, yeah. I don't know. It. She looked like a camp it, counselor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just like wasn't the sexiest. But I mean, she's working with. She didn't plan on giving a lap dance. She didn't know this was gonna happen. Maybe if she had known, she would have worn heels. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, heels. Stilettos, or like yeah, a shimmery first. top or something. You know? Yeah, and something just panties. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so we see that happen, and then just like in Planet Terror, we have the missing reel. Um, it, we get through the whole lap dance, and we get the great. Um, oh, the I wanted to mention about. Oh. Uh, down in Mexico, 
the song that plays by the coasters oh yeah um was actually the original song that they wanted to use for Santanico Pandemonium's uh stage performance oh yes and then then they changed their mind and they uh went with After Dark but um they end up being able to use it here again because Quentin and Robert are were you know constant collaboration on both their products yeah of course weirdos so oh so that so then we have the missing reel and um all of a sudden these girls that like hate weren't even speaking to each other are all of a sudden like giggling to each other and and like talking yeah i was like what what happened to the missing reel that they made up exactly i know i i'm curious to know i know quentin knows i don't think that he would have um yeah like what i'm sure he probably had the whole through line he's like where am i gonna cut i'm just gonna take this page of dialogue right here and just rip rip it out out. (laughs) That's a good idea. But yeah. yeah, so I'm like, I would have asked them for a ride. That's what I would have done. And mm-hmm. for good reason, because poor Miss Pam, she Oof. was innocent. She gets she mangled. She is like, was she like, she wasn't even one of his main targets. As far as we know, he was stalking Arlene, Shanna, and Julia. Like, she was just an innocent girl who was just trying to make conversation. Because she was lonely. Yeah, she seems lonely. You know what's funny? They they also allude to something happening to her right before she goes into the bar. And we never know what that is either. I hate that. Arlene comes in. Which, I mean, it's like intriguing. But it's like, well, what's the answer? I want to know now. Exactly. Uh, Arlene comes back in and she sees Pam. She goes, do you know what just happened to that girl outside? And she's like, or... And then, you know, they never allude to it again about what happened to her outside. And they kind of say it again, like maybe somebody dumped her, but they don't. It's so interesting that like Arlene witnessed this, but we didn't witness it. I guess it's up to us to sort of put the pieces together. Yeah. And I know I would imagine that's what it would be—a breakup. Yeah, a breakup, or something. especially the way she's so, yeah. so trusting toward Stuntman Mike. Yeah, exactly. Rebound. Exactly. So okay, then we get to what is coming he's obviously stalking these girls he has pictures of them that he throws out the window yeah. he's been watching them this isn't random and no he's a killer he's he, pl- he, like premeditated premeditated and he gets Miss Pam out of the way real quick by just throwing her yeah. into the dashboard breaking her face breaking oh, her I do face. love that dia- I love that dialogue about the going left and the going right I think that's so brilliant because he's like, which yeah. way are we going, Pam? <clears throat> She's like, right! She's like, so giggly. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's just too bad. He's like, because the thing is, we're going left, and, you know, if we'd been going right, it would have been a while until you started getting scared, or whatever that dialogue is. Yeah. It's so good. Um, yeah. And then just, and then the car takes the fuck off with her, and she gets it. Oh, it's so sad. It's, She's like, it is sad he, because he, she like, was- makes her suffer. So yes, the suffering of it. I'm like, ugh. It's it's one of those things that's kind of hard to watch. The way they he yeah. filmed it and her screaming and crying, pleading and being so yeah, helpless like, in that yeah, plastic like bubble. So, yeah, like desperately saying that she'll just say it's a joke and try to laugh and oh, it's like heartbreaking. Ugh. And it's so disgusting. <laughs> oh, I know. Just the pred- the predator of it all. Yeah, I know, and just slams the brake, and her face just is Boom. not a face anymore. But do you know that she got in a car accident that that happened to her? Yeah, that's why her yeah, and, 
she's had to have so many uh, reconstructive surgeries and yeah because of her her sunglasses that she was wearing wedged into her face when she got in a car accident oh is that crazy that beautiful face horrible i know i know oh poor rose she's been through it um she has then we get to our main attraction. This is like, I mean, aside this from is, what we yeah. get later, this is like a really iconic moment for this movie. Oh yeah. So we have, yeah. We, we have the girls out there. They're, they're uh, you know, going to groove into Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch. And uh, when he like zooms past them, and does a Yui and starts like coming at them head on with the lights off. Ugh. Damn. The tension. And damn. Quentin Tarantino didn't just give us a one and done. He let us no. see this horrific accident like five from every, times from every, from every angle. character's perspective. Yeah. Yes. And it is frightening. I love how the first time we see it, we see the crash happen and we see it all happen in what would be real time. And it's like yes. instantaneous. The leg flies off, Shanna flies out, do 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 do. But then he goes back and he says, "This is what happens to every single character." So let's slow it down. Yeah, let's we'll slow it down. We're gonna and these like, I, there was no CGI with that crash. I don't know how they. I'm Oof. sure maybe inserting them, but like all this car stunts and stuff, this shit was all real that they did. They wanted to make it as authentic as possible because they're like these grindhouse people didn't have CGI. That's true. Like, we have to be as authentic as possible. So, crash these cars to each other, and then we see um, who get who. How do they get it? Uh, Shanna gets jungle, thrown. Oh, she, oh yeah. Well, she Just gets pulled thrown. out of the car by an invisible force and tumbles <laughs> of skids along the, the, the road. Elena. She She's just like boof right on the steering wheel just breaks her neck. Breaks her neck. Ouch. And then fucking Julia. Here we go. Quentin's foot fetish. He's like, I'm gonna fucking sever yeah. that leg. He's like, if you're not gonna let me touch your foot connected to you, I'm just gonna rip it off. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have um, the art department make a prosthetic of it. I bet he still has that. I was gonna <laughs> say, I will put money to say that he has Jungle Julia's foot in his bedroom under his bed. So. <laughs> just like mounted above his his uh, wall. I think wall, I think he bed. uses it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he, what do you think? He sits on it? That or sucks on it. Puts his dick between the toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking first. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, her leg gets ripped off, blood splatters everywhere, and then <laughs> yeah. Miss Arlene, Miss Butterfly. Oh, Miss Butterfly, the face that launched one proposal all night, um, just gets fucking shredded mode. off. it's such a cool effect though I do think it's cool to watch it is so cool to watch but it is so just graphic and disturbing (laughs) it's horrific the wheel of the car obviously is going a million miles an hour and just runs over her face her face is just hamburger meat it's horrible it's just (laughs) hair and blood it's horrible 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 just oh my god and it reminds me of that billboard that i think i've mentioned before on this podcast where um they used to put it for it was for about against drinking and driving and it's like and it's uh, a picture of a road with blood splattered on it and big bold letters across it that said you're the flyest girl on the block until your face goes (laughs) through the windshield oh my not even clever wear your seatbelt isn't that horrible 
That's that what, is horrible. That's a lesson. I'm, I'm more offended by the writing. I'm like, that's, a, that's yeah, not clever. I'm like, it's not about the writing. <laughs> it's about the point. <laughs> it's the principle. That's the principle of it. <laughs> and then uh, these girls are dead. And, you know, we, we're sort of left undetermined what happens to Mike. What yeah. happened to him? Do you think... He- they say, I mean, they say what happens to him later, obviously, but um, we never get to see that. So, and then we move on to part two of this movie. Yes, give it to us. Put your foot on the gas, bitch. <laughs> Stuntman Mike is brought to the hospital where Earl McGraw, played by Michael Parks, back, 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 back again. Girl, he won't go no motherfucking where. <laughs> <laughs> and his son Edgar McGraw, played by James Parks from Kill Bill and Planet Terror, asks Dr. Dakota Block, played by Marley Shelton, also from Planet Terror, how the patient is doing. Earl gives his daughter some lip about having her last name being Block, which makes Dakota storm off. Earl tells Edgar that he thinks stuntman Mike premeditated the car crash, but he of course can't prove it. Even though he was seriously hurt in the crash, he will recover from his injuries. The story jumps ahead 14 months in Lebanon, Tennessee. In a black and white sequence cut from the original theatrical movie, stuntman Mike arrives at a local Circle A convenience store for a rest, and he spots a yellow car pull up alongside him with a pair of women's bare feet sticking out of a window. Wow. Real original. Yeah, I was like, um, this is getting out of control. Inside the car is a sleeping Abernathy, played by Rosario Dawson, the driver Kim, played by Tracy Toms, and Lee, played by Idina Menzel. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The whole cast of Rant. It's just the cast of Rant repurposed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, sorry. Uh, And Lee, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. The girls work in the movie industry, with Kim being a stunt woman and Lee being an actress who's stuck wearing a cheerleader uniform and Abernathy is a makeup person and stand-in. They've driven all night from Hollywood to the small town to pick up a friend from the local airport. While Kim goes off, stuntman Mike decides out of the blue to target this latest group of women. Having somewhat of a foot fetish... Wow. That's another thing. Quentin Tarantino always paints his villain as versions of himself like rob zombie does yeah comic book nerd in bill a fucking per feet pervert <laughs> with uh stuntman mike yeah. yeah and whatever he does in from dust till dawn oh okay well, <laughs> i'm sure he would say neurotic but i would say another word <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh. so having somewhat of a foot fetish he brushes by abernathy's feet pretending to look for his car keys and drives off shadowing them from a distance. Abernathy puts on her boots and enters the Circle A store to get money from an ATM machine and to buy some Red Bull energy drinks for herself. She buys a few fashion magazines and the clerk tells her that he has this month's issue of Italian Vogue. She tells Lee still waiting outside for Kim about it and wants to buy the magazine from the clerk's price of $27. Lee is somewhat reluctant but agrees to share the magazine with Abernathy. I'm like, what kind of broke bitches are they? Aren't they making a movie? I know. I'm like, what kind of movie are you bitches making that you can't afford a $27 magazine? Magazine. Like, you want to split it? Like, Split it between... Me? They're like, they're like, well, she doesn't care about it. She's like, but we'll split it. And you know who else will go, go in on it is so-and-so and her sister. Four people splitting a $27 magazine. I know. And then I was like, is Italian Vogue, like, short for something? Like, drugs or... <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I think... These are what, this is what famous people in the industry care about. Guess so. Because she says something about like, 
wanting to get the first dibs on certain looks and stuff like that. So maybe it's about planning for red carpet events before some other celebrity bitch, you know, scoops it up. But it's like, how if you're making that much money doing all that with your makeup career, you don't need to borrow money. Yeah, you don't need to split a magazine four ways. <laughs> Afterwards, the three meet up again and drive to the local airport where they pick up stunt woman Zoe, played by Zoe Bell, who is playing herself, kind of, from the airport, who has arrived from New Zealand for a few days to visit. Stuntman Mike takes pictures of all of them and watches from a distance in the airport parking lot. Driving off, they tell Zoe about the movie that they're working on and they have the next few days off, and so they plan to party. They discuss boys... And Abernathy talks about almost sleeping with a director and about Lee's romance with a crew person that they call The Rock. Do you think it was The Rock? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> she, she said it's not The Rock, that he just kind of looks like The Rock. Ooh. So it's That's like Jason Momoa. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, Jason Momoa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eating breakfast at a small local diner, Abernathy talks about a previous movie shoot location and about Zoe's natural stunt ability to always land on her feet, earning her the nickname Zoe the Cat. It's made clear that Lee is not too bright and that Kim carries a gun around. <laughs> Abernathy tells her that people who carry guns are more likely to get shot and recommends other weapons to carry, pepper spray and knife, etc. Kim says that when she does her laundry at her LA apartment building at midnight, she does not want to get raped, so she carries around a gun. From Kim's point of view, people who use knives get shot by muggers who usually carry guns and kill people after mugging them. Zoe and Kim also talk about the movie Vanishing Point and what a great movie it is. Zoe says it's been her long dream to drive a car like the one in the film and that she's been following the classified ads in the local paper. Someone has advertised the same make model of the car, a 1970 Dodge Challenger, and Zoe wants to feign a test drive so she can fulfill her fantasy. Throughout this conversation, stuntman Mike silently watches them from the front counter. Did you know he's in this? I just noticed. I, I just realized that today in some of my research. Really? And it wasn't even pointed out. They just had a still from that movie. And I was like, wait a yeah. minute. He's in that scene? He is. He's always watching. Oh, that's creep. so brilliant. Oh, I creep. Yeah. Just creeping down the down low. <laughs> <laughs> The girls drive to the owner's house where Jasper, played by Jonathan Lofren, keeps the car out back. Zoe wants to test drive the car without Jasper in order to do a dangerous stunt with Kim called the ship's mast, but Kim absolutely does not want to take part. Zoe finally convinces her to do it when she offers to be her back-cracking slave for the next few days. Abernathy wants to join in, but Kim and Zoe tell her that it's too dangerous since she's a mother, so she can't. I've never understood what that meant when she, cause she calls her a mum. I didn't realize that she, I thought that meant like a boring person. I oh. didn't realize it was because Abernathy had kids. Yeah, I took it as that she has a kid. I did not know that. I thought it was like slang for like a boring person. A mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like somebody was like so boring, they're a mummy. <laughs> You're a mum. <laughs> oh my God. I had no idea until just now. Okay, work. Um, work. <clears throat> you learn something new every day. There we go. Abernathy is tired of that excuse and will do whatever they're doing. They all can't go, though, since the plan relies on Jasper letting them take the car without him. Abernathy convinces the others to take her along by persuading Jasper to let them take his car without him. She tells them where they're staying and their full name so he can find them if they take off. Also, she's going to leave Lee behind so that she can possibly engage in sex with him. Jasper happily agrees, and the girls leave the confused Lee behind with Jasper. 
Girl, those are not your friends. I was like, this is horrible. Not women against women. Yeah, not whoring out your fucking friend so you can take a car for spin. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. They stop the car in the middle of the road, and Kim and Zoe discuss who's going to do it first. Zoe will start off on top and ties her belt around a door. Kim ties Abernathy's belt around the other door. <laughs> Prada. The girls speed down the road with the windows down, and Zoe climbs out the window onto the roof. From there, she holds onto the belt and lies down on the hood while Kim races the car down the road. Abernathy is nervous at first, but slowly enjoys herself. All the while, stuntman Mike watches with his binoculars. He laughs and speeds off towards the girls. A harrowing car chase begins as stuntman Mike smashes into the back of the car, which freaks them out. He continually smashes his car against theirs, causing Zoe to gradually lose her grip on the belts. It gets to the point where Zoe has to hold onto the hood, but she continually struggles to stay on while stuntman Mike smashes into the car. Eventually, he crashes into their car so much that it causes them to swerve onto the shoulder of a road near the woods, throwing Zoe into a clump of brush. Stuntman Mike gets out of his car with glee and says that it was fun. Kim pulls out her gun and shoots him in the shoulder. He speeds off down the road while Abernathy and Kim are shaken up and cry over Zoe. Zoe, however, pops up and tells them that she's okay. The girls plan to get back at their attacker. Zoe grabs a metal pole and straddles the passenger window of the car while Kim speeds down the road. Stuntman Mike stops in the middle of the road, in pain from the bullet wound, wailing over his undeserved misfortune. He drinks a lot of alcohol and pours some on his arm. The girls crash into the back of his car and Zoe smashes his window out. She jabs his arm and head with the pole and Stuntman Mike speeds off again. Zoe, Kim, and Abernathy chase after him down the highway and through the back roads. The tables have turned and Kim now continually smashes into Stuntman Mike's car who is driving with only one good arm and has not had time to put on his safety belt. Their chase leads to a local highway which causes the other drivers to swerve out of control along with a biker who's sent flying off his motorcycle. The chase leads to another back road where the girls accidentally go off the road onto a dirt farm road running parallel to the main road. The girls eventually swerve back onto the road and cause Stuntman Mike's car to lose control and flip over. They get out of their car and drag him out of his. Abernathy, Kim, and Zoe beat Stuntman Mike to death with their bare hands. The closing credits run for a few moments until Abernathy lands a death blow by smashing Mike's face in with her boot. All three jump up in celebration at their triumph. The end. Yay! Woo! All right, so now we got a whole new group of bitches to follow. I know, but first we have this intersection of Planet Terror and Death Proof with the hospital scene where we learn yes. that Stuntman Mike is not dead because that car Ugh. is literally Death Proof, which I guess is the whole reason this movie exists. Or, uh, I guess on a drunken night that Quentin yep. Tarantino was talking to Sean Penn, Sean Penn told him that you know he could make a Death Proof car with a stunt team for about $10,000, $15,000. And I think he thought that was so fascinating. But originally the movie was called uh, Thunderbolt. Ooh. Which um, I guess is kind of cool. It's (laughs) it's cool. It sounds like a badass movie. It just doesn't really give the same idea of what the kind of movie it is. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think Death Proof is a far better title. But yeah, yeah, that's how it happened. And then I don't know why I wrote this in here, but I thought... Um, I think somebody says this in that hospital scene where they go, and I put, not Princess died. 
Oh, the, he says that the princess died, like Princess Diana, but yes, they also died. That, exactly. Yes. Uh, that's how I wrote it. I'm like, Princess died. Uh, oh, he that's says, funny. shit, two <laughs> tons of metal, 200 miles an hour, flesh and bone, and plain old Newton. They all princess died. Fuck. That's I mean, terrible. she also died in a car crash. <laughs> I know, but I was like, not using her name as a... Uh, I know. As t- a... Synonymous with somebody who dies in a car <laughs> accident. That's fucking crazy. Girl, she but... princess died. <laughs> that's a that's a I'm gonna use that. Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, what I think was is, is interesting about this incorporation of Doctor Block in this scene, and I guess Earl McGraw, is that you have to think about it. Like, obviously, this takes place before the events of Planet Terror, but it suggests that they exist in the same universe. Yeah, which is bizarre. So it's like shortly after Zoe <laughs> Bell fought for her life on the hood of this car. There was a zombie outbreak. Yes, and then they're all going to die anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, where does Planet Terror take place? Texas. No, Planet Terror takes place in... Oh, Texas, yeah. Texas. Barbecue. And this takes place in Tennessee. In Tennessee. So maybe it didn't get I to mean, them. But... I mean, they they make it all the way to Mexico. There are zombies, I'm assuming. Oh, that yeah. The Ten- whole world is doomed. Tennessee is off limits, no. Um, <laughs> I actually love that transition of... Um, when Earl McGraw is talking about this perverted Stuntman Mike. And I guess this was yeah. the alternative to actually showing what Stuntman Mike does after he kills the girls because there's a deleted scene where Stuntman Mike masturbates after he crashes yeah. into Jungle Julie and them. Yeah, it's like suggested that he's that he gets sexual gratification from doing this, which Ew. is all kinds of fucked up. That's gross. But he goes, I'll make damn sure he never does this in Texas again. And then we go to the next scene. It's all Lebanon, Tennessee. And we, <laughs> yeah. and we never see that hospital staff again, which I thought was funny because I watched this movie first. So I had no idea that those characters would be fleshed out in Planet Terror. Wow, that's, that is interesting. Yeah, because for everybody else, it's kind of an Easter egg. But for you, you were following the story in a linear fashion. I'm all, why is Marley Shelton playing this small ass role? <laughs> <laughs> and then there she is. Yeah, so uh, we meet our new girls. We have a new group of girls we're following, which we get uh, Tracy Toms, Rosario Dawson, and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who, I'm sorry, but I think these girls are the stronger group of girls as far as, like... It's so interesting because the first couple... The first handful of girls, other than Rose, are... They're kind of, like, not big names, but then we get, like... Right. I guess... Like Rosario and Mary Elizabeth, like those are pretty big names. And Mary Elizabeth wasn't at the time. I think this was like she was coming her, off. She was coming next, off of Final Destination Three. Yes, this was the next year. This is the next thing we saw her in. So she still yeah. wasn't like totally big. But I think if you knew Final Black Destination, Christmas. obviously, yeah, 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 that you were familiar with Miss Winstead's work, right? Of but, course, of course. Uh, Tracy, Tracy Thompson. Toms. She was coming off of Devil Wears Prada and Rent. Yeah. Yeah, so she wasn't really a big deal. So this was probably a great opportunity for her. Yeah. But, I mean, I think mostly she was on, like, a cop show with Jesse L. Was Martin. She... Rent is just part of her life. At this point. <laughs> she, she will never escape these people. <laughs> She'll never escape Rent or the people Yeah, in you know. Every movie she's in has, you know, people Another from Rent. co-star. Devil's Product, Meryl Streep. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, y'all y'all thought that was uh Idina Menzel. No, that no, was Meryl, Meryl Street playing she, she, She's Menzel. in every movie musical. Yeah, every movie. Yeah. A- playing Angel. 
<laughs> Mimi. <laughs> Mimi. <laughs> Mare Mare. <laughs> she plays Mimi's mom. <laughs> oh my god. Mimi Chica. Donde estas? the mama. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. So, so I like this. Uh, first of all, I love this little concert we get from Miss Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I'm like, why is she not saying more? Well, you know. You don't make much money <laughs> her, from singing. Where's her movie musical? Don't want nobody, nobody. She's like, I'm proving to you that I can sing. Yeah. And we've never heard her sing. She's since. like, see, triple threat. And then she does a backflip in her cheerleading uniform. <laughs> With no <laughs> panties on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, so, and then we, um, I like this shot though of, again, feet hanging out the window. And I think it's so creepy that he brushes, he like touches her feet. Yeah. Like and and then like plays it like he dropped his keys, but she gets like actually creeped out by it. She's that part is Ew. pretty creepy. Okay, I touched my butt. But then when yeah. he drives off all fast, they talk about that he's like a man with a little dick, obviously. <laughs> and I'm like, for sure, it's always the big trucks and the loud cars that have the smallest wieners. I wish we would have kept that masturbation scene because then the answer to that question would have been answered. Yeah, when we would have been able to see the tip of the dick <laughs> through the window, through a still shot of the yes. window. Like, whoa, that's yes. high up next wow. to his chest. Yeah, I thought that was the uh, gear shift. No. Yeah. You know what else is death proof? This throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> I love that's when Abernathy is in the... <laughs> <laughs> is in the looking at the magazines the oh, magazine yeah. covers are so 2000s oh my god jessica simpson down to mary elizabeth winstead's spread in the magazine oh, yeah I jessica know. simpson on the cover of allure <laughs> yeah remember her yeah i remember no. <laughs> yeah jessica she's like the biggest star ever yeah i well i love that cartoon it's been on for years which one <laughs> the simpsons <laughs> <laughs> Stupid! You're so dumb for that. I love all those magazines, though. It reminds me of obviously like being young. Yeah, it reminds me of that too. Reminds me. And then we hear. Oh yeah, a little. You know, gotta. Hello. Throwing every little Easter egg. Yeah. And what I tell you, we talked about it in the Kill Bill episode. I feel like everybody's ringtone was Twisted Nerve. Twisted Nerve. And it's Rosario Dawson's. It's Abernathy's in this. So that's kind of funny. It's kind of poking fun in itself. And keeping it all within the same universe, I guess. Maybe Kill Bill also happens. Absolutely. How do you think the bride handled the zombie apocalypse? Do you think she's out there kicking ass? Oh, yeah. Because they would share the same universe, right? These are the movies within the universe. Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess that doesn't fully... Well, no, it does. Because Michael Parks, he's in Kill Bill. Yeah, Earl McGraw. Earl McGraw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess she would be slicing them in half with her sword. Yes, yeah, so that's what Kill. That's what Kill Bill Three has to be about. Her part in the Planet Terror apocalypse. Yes, duh. We she, figured this out. And she. This comes, is the actual plot. She's in Mexico drinking tequila. Walks outside. Oh my god. She's like Esteban. It's Marley Shelton in the bikini. And the gun. Oh, yeah. Wow. Whoa. Rose but is how in it. She, <laughs> yeah, Zoe's in it. 
And it's like that meme of the two Spider-Mans looking at each other. By the way, we in comes Miss Zoe Bell, right? And uh. Zoe Bell is not an actress. She is a legitimate stunt woman for uh, specifically, she was Uma Thurman's stunt woman in Kill Bill. Yeah. And Quentin Tarantino was so obviously impressed by her work, you know, as the stunt double and everything. And, you know, obviously her amazing abilities. Oh um, my God. She's amazing. Yeah. And so he wrote this part for her and she did not even realize that the part was this big. When she took the project, she literally thought it was going to be a cameo. And then they post, like they had a poster of it, like I guess before they started filming, and her name was literally on the mark, like on the poster billing next to like Rosario and Rose, and Kurt Russell, and she was like, "Oh shit!" Wait, so like, Zoe like Bell, a, she's like the main she's one. Like, she's like, I have a fucking part in this movie, so. But do you know what? I think for a non-actress, she she does a great job. Yeah, and then Quentin Tarantino tried to say. I, I think he baited her into this. Like, he was like, oh, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to be, like, the role, and then we're going to have a stunt person play, you know, your stunts. And she was like, yeah. uh, no. Uh-huh. She was like, I fully signed on to this thinking I was going to be the one doing the stunts. Right, which makes it so much more spectacular. Yeah, because she really do. shows off her talent. Out of everybody in this movie, she has the biggest display of talent. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's insane. And But that's, like, the... That is point of why she was cast and yeah. that adds so much and that adds to what we were saying before it's like we didn't have cgi or these big you know or these low budget productions i'm sure a lot of these actors probably did have to do the crazy things because do you think these productions were able to afford stunt doubles and actors probably not probably not but i love that she's getting her screen time and now i'm really upset because I haven't, you know, I didn't watch this whole thing in detail when, you know, before doing right. the episodes. And I think when we were on Porcelain Peaks podcast, when they did the q and I yeah. got this question of which of these actresses played themselves in... Oh, shit. In did Death you? Proof. And it was Zoe Bell, Vanessa Ferlito, and I think I said Vanessa Ferlito, just guessing. And you, but you were like... Oh, like Because you like, knew the answer. Yeah. And I was like... What? Oh, should it be obvious? <laughs> I was like, I don't know any of these names. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I do love this. Um, their, their dialogue, obviously, is just as sharp as the other girls. Again, it's a lot of, what does this have to do with anything? Especially this first one, when they're all in the car together, and they're talking about the boys, and, you know, who's fucking who. But <laughs> the dialogue's very funny. It's, like, so well-delivered, especially by, like, Rosario. When yeah. she's, like, talking about fucking or you know the director fucking daryl hannah stand-in yeah is like of course of course it's daryl hannah yeah again, of course you know kill bill and so it's just like i don't know it's again lots of dialogue We're not sure why it's there but you know whatever but we then i think when we get to the diner scene that dialogue oh. also seems inconsequential but it actually is important because it gives a lot of clues into things that happen later in the movie yeah i also i like the juxtaposition with the two groups. Like in the first one, we have Jungle Julia, who's like, you know, a local celebrity, but their world yeah. seems very small and very small. local and towny. And, you know, but in right. this version, and, you know, the all the graininess from the opening is gone. This one's much more yeah. clear and technicolor and bright. And these women are a little bit more well traveled. They have They're greater like, it's conversations. Like city girls. Yeah. yeah, about bigger 
things. Yeah, city folk versus versus like small town folk. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like foreshadowing that Stepman Mike has met his match. He's like, yeah, you know how to do all of these things, and these small town girls don't really know how to defend themselves against that. But these highly trained women, yeah, exactly, will beat that like, ass. Exactly, you underestimate the power of women. And, you know, here you are about to meet your match with these women who know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Who do this for a living. They survive for a living. Where is it that this car that Kim has, the yellow one, says Lil Pussy Wagon? Does it? Yeah. They said it's somewhere on her, like, keys or somewhere on the car. It says Lil Pussy Wagon. All right. All right. I love that. I love that. With the two black stripes, of course, looking just like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um, U- Uma The outfit Yeah Uma's M- outfit Miss the bride Uma's Miss constant. the bride Yeah Miss the bride <laughs> <laughs> So I, I love this dialogue in the, in the diner We first get like The clues about You know We talk about uh, Zoe's ability We get a really clear yeah. Picture of who she is Because Abernathy Tells the story About how You know She fell into this ditch That would have killed her But because it's Zoe, she was able to land on her feet, which obviously foreshadows what happens later on in the movie. And then we also get to talk about the gun, which comes into play later once they do the whole car yeah. chase scene and everything. And, uh, you know, Kim is able, you know, she shoots him in the arm. And we know this because it's been established in this dialogue that she carries a gun to uh, ward off evil men. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there is like a lot of good stuff going on in this dialogue. But in the moment, again, we just don't know why it's important. But uh, unless you think about it later and you're like, oh, okay, these things, these, these things, things come together. Yeah, yeah. These things come together. It seems inconsequential, but it is technically important. Yeah. And I, it, is this a continuous shot? Yes. This is one long shot. And these girls have a lot of dialogue, like mouthfuls of it. A lot. I'm surprised they did that without cutting. I know. Can you imagine? Imagine being the bitch who messes it up right before it's over. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Like, yeah, uh, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop! I got it! I got it! I got it! Too late! Too late! Yeah. We ruined it. Reset. We over. Reset. Reset. Everybody, barf up your food. We're doing some more. <laughs> yeah. Ew! I never thought about that. I know. Imagine. How many times do you think he had to eat those nachos? <laughs> I know they look so greasy, but yeah. also so they look like they're made with like when you do it at home when you Melt like shredded, shredded cheese, cheese. And you, yeah in the microwave like that's yeah what it yeah like. it didn't even look it didn't even look like that like goopy like liquidy cheese it, it wasn't was the like, cheese like, sauce it was like fully shredded cheese yeah it was like craft cheese <laughs> <laughs> squares. <laughs> <laughs> Ew! Craft single. <laughs> so Melted gross. onto chips. <laughs> yeah, ew. <laughs> um, so then they decide, you know, that they want to... Oh, they don't want to. Zoe wants to drive this car. And this is when we get a lot of homage to, like, um, you know, the driving movies, I guess, that were popular within the Grindhouse circuit. Yes. You know, we're paying homage to that. That's kind of vanishing like crazy, point. Vanishing point. Crazy Larry or Crazy Mary, Harry, um, Harry, something like that. Yeah. Something. Dirty Harry, Crazy Larry. Dirty, Dirty Mary, Mary, Crazy Larry. Dirty Mary, yes. Crazy Larry. That's what they call us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harry Fairy and, <laughs> and Power Bottom. <laughs> yeah. Harry Fairy and Creepy Carrie. We'll let you guess who's who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, 
this is what those movies are really emulating. It's like he took the serial killer genre, which is what Quentin Tarantino's, um, you know, intention was to do was he wanted to make a slasher movie. Yeah. And so it feels like and, one. Right. But, in, you know, he said but his version of what a slasher movie is, which yeah, is like obviously way more chaotic and way more action packed, you know, yeah, more action packed, but also has to have its own distinct flavor. Right. And so for him, that was mixing a slasher movie with a car movie, you know, well, a stunt car movie. You know, even watching this, I was like, it's sort of the same th- approach that Ty West took doing X. And that's what I thought about while watching this movie. It's like where they're taking these tools, applying them to modern filmmaking, uh, like taking yeah. something that was, you know, yeah. slasher, adding their own flavor to it and then making it elevated. Yeah, for sure. No, totally. And that's what, exa- exactly what it does here. The only thing is that this isn't much of like a individual, like, cr- you know, moment that people have with against the killer. It's like yeah. all at once, you know. A group effort. A group. Yeah, exactly. It's one and done. And so uh, so now we get the girls going to get this car from, <laughs> from what's his name? Jasper. Jasper. I was going to call him Josiah or something. Jedediah. Like, like inbred yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love when, he, when they first walk up and he goes, what do you horny gals want? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Why are they horny? <laughs> I know. I love that. Horny. <laughs> yeah. what, do you horny ga- what do you horny gals want? Uh, like, oh. Um, oh. Well, now that you mention it, I guess I am. Maybe some pussy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rosario Dawson also has a really cool voice. She has a cool voice, like singing voice. Cry yeah. <laughs> the Spanish babies. Cry. <laughs> Run that attitude. Run that attitude. So let's find a way. Yeah. You, well, have you ever watched her rent audition? Yeah, woof. Whoa. I'm surprised she got the part. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I remember they, What's the time? Kid. Well, it's gotta be close to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I remember they had her sing. Like, they, had, they did a couple of live performances of the cast of Rent. And oof. like, oof. Like, her parts. It's like, <laughs> turn the mic down. Yeah. While the rest of them, you know, they were singing their faces off. These are like legit Broadway singers. Oh my God. Tracy this- Tom's voice is amazing. Oh, so good. Yeah, I, this is exactly what you guys came here for to hear us talk about rent all day. Well, th- we met doing <laughs> rent, so this is a special movie to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a reunion of two of these, <laughs> two of our characters. Yeah, and we um, played the same characters as them. You were Joanne, that was Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, so here we go. And this is when we're getting into like. This is what we actually came for. So, you know, we had yes. that gruesome first crash, but like this car scene is what, what? Just In so tense. good. Yes. Starting from the very beginning, when they even just start this ship's mast game with Zoe on the hood of that car, it's like, uh, it's oh so intense. God. The it's danger. Like this, yeah. So evil sexy. can evil danger. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, like, sexy Whoa. danger. I wish I had the balls to live life on the edge like this. I mean, I mean, this person, Miss Zoe Bell, has lived a life that you and I will never experience live. ever. Yeah, yeah. You remember like, when you're whoa. young and they say you can be anything you want to be? We're at the point where you can't do 
like 90% <laughs> of shit. So it's like, yeah, it exactly. will never be her. Oh my gosh, yeah, but what a life she must lead. Like the adrenaline that pumps through her veins on the daily basis. Wow. But at that point, it's almost like doing drugs, right? Where it's like, it's stimulated you so much, but then you get to a point where you're like, you basically have to be on the verge of death to feel that rush again. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> She's crazy. Oh, that's so sad. I'm sorry, Zoe. Hope you're getting therapy for your trauma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is intense. Like she's like holding on by the belts, like t- tied around. Just like, it was like, no, I like, how did they do this safely? Did they do this safely? Probably not. I'm like, she had to be like harnessed to the hood, right? I don't know. It doesn't look like she is, but she has to be. There has... What? Like... Not Zoe fully clinging on for her life onto the hood of that car. Oh, that part is so crazy. When he, he like, drives up and hits the back of the car and she spins around. Yes. yes, Where her head is facing front. Yes. Oh, my God. That part is, like... Not grabbing onto anything. Oh, it makes my body tingle. It makes my, like, my butt tingle. You know, you get, like, the... Yes. You know, like... You're like the bottom of my feet feel numb. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sleep. The little like, it's that pin feeling. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I get it in my butt and my feet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right in the center. Yeah, and it's like, oh god, it's so good. Like, cause she could just fully head first go over the hood under the car and just be you know, squashed, squashed. Well, we've seen what happened to the girls before. Yeah. Like, dang. But this goes on for a while, and he's just, like, hitting this car with them in it, and she's, like, balling all around. I know. And at one point, and at some point, you do start going, why didn't they just hit the brakes? But I'm like, she might fly. Is it because she might fly off? Yeah, she would fully fly. That would, she would go under the hood and get smashed. Yeah, like, how do we, how do we end this? You can't stop. Like, how do we? Like, how does ship's mast end? It was probably because she was holding onto the belts, but now that she doesn't have the belts anymore, she'd fly off. Is that the physics of it all? Yes. Exactly. And they can't right. stop the car. They have to stay. But I'm like, they could have slowed down. Yeah. But I guess they can't. I think they were afraid because he'd come after them. I don't know. There's a, there's a few points when they for sure could have stopped. Yeah. And at least, at least, like, let her get off. But maybe they're afraid that he would just run her over, like, come after her in the car. But I'm like, is she is she safer on the side of the road or is she safer on the hood of the car? I don't know. This is kind of like something I wonder about movies all the time. Like, a movie's got a movie, but sometimes I'm like, when you're being chased by a car, why don't you just go run to a place where the car can't fit? Or, like, go to the side. Like, why are yeah. you fully oh, running down the middle of the street? Yeah, straight. Like, go, go to the side, jump a fence, go into a. Between two houses, like save yourself. Yeah, I, save save yourself. Um, and then he they get in this final little car crash moment, and Zoe does fly off the hood of the car. And you know you're like, oh my gosh, she's dead, right? We think she's dead. Ugh. But is she? Nope. She's nope. Zoe the cat. She pops up and she's like, that was awesome. Yeah, it was all. <laughs> it's all a good time to Miss Zoe. I love though when uh, he like pops out of the car and he like gives his little salute to them or whatever and then all of a sudden boom she shoots him in the arm yeah kim does not fuck around no she does not i love the way miss tracy toms plays kim yes there's so much strength in it she's yeah she's she's such a badass she wastes no time to shoot him 
Yeah, she said, I'm not going to like wait or like threaten you. She didn't say like, put your hands up. She yeah. said, boom, you, boom. You know what? I'm so stupid too. I was going to um, literally make a drink using the bourbon that he puts on his arm. Really? Yeah, it's Four Roses bourbon. It's really good. And I have a bottle of it in the freezer. I should have brought oh it God. out for this episode. My you could have poured me a shot. Yeah, <laughs> drink it through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> but then I then I love how immediately the tables turn. Ooh, yes. I, oh, it's so and there, there's like a weird like glee about it. Like they're like, should we go get him? Let's go. And they're all hell yeah. And they just like speed off. And now it's a revenge tale. And these bitches come after him. Yeah, and hard too. Hell yeah. No mercy for that motherfucker. Fuck you. Yes. I love even just the different... Like, this could have been just a straight-on car chase, but Quentin Tarantino was like, no. We're going to include the girls going to hide, you know, like, above his car and then just coming down on him. So good. So good. I love that moment when he's, like, crying in his car. He's actually such a bitch. Like, Stuntman Mike is a little bitch. Yeah, he's a little pervert-ass bitch. Yeah, and he's, like, screaming, crying, like, screeching. Like, even Joey was, like, kind of like, this performance is kind of over the top. But I was like, yeah, but it's... Yeah. I think we were just supposed to say that he's actually a punk at the end of the day. Also, the reason why the blood looks like ketchup, like, it's supposed to be on another level. But (laughs) I always think about this concept. It's so interesting to me. When the killers in movies start getting the wrath of their victims, and they start screaming in agony and stuff, I'm like, how dare you scream? Yeah. All this pain you, you've inflicted, and yeah, and we're supposed to like feel empathy for you. Give me we're a break. supposed to feel bad. Fuck you. Stop. But I love when she when she runs up and she smashes through the window, or and she like <laughs> hits him with a pipe and like punches him. In the, oh, it's so good. Yeah, and she's just chasing him. Like she, Zoe does not give a fuck. That bitch is that bitch can kick your ass. Dude. She can whip some fucking ass. All of them, can, and clearly Tracy can too. When they all take yeah. turns just wailing on him, <laughs> yeah. I'm like. Oh my god! It's but it's so refreshing to see something like that. It's rather yeah. empowering. It is. So yeah, because there is like, again, we said about the racism thing too. But there's also a lot of <clears throat> casual misogyny that happens in Quentin Tarantino movies. Yes. And um, again, it's nice to see him letting those ladies get their revenge. He loves. Yes. A, he loves a revenge tale for the ladies and these bitches. Not only cause him to crash through a sign that says scary movie four um, yes uh, yeah they uh grab his ass and pull him out of the car and just beat the shit out of him yeah and that's it and that's how our movie ends yes we don't even know what happened to lee oh i know she's probably over there r-worded <laughs> oh no i know that's horrible. well that i know that part is so especially when he's like standing over her and she goes gold gold it's like oh my god and the fact that this bitch left her there i don't know i don't know who i'm rooting for (laughs) yeah i don't know that's kind of a really fucked up thing to do to your friend these girls are no friends with me i know they're jealous of her she she needs to keep that italian vogue all for herself and make them pay still yeah this ass beating was severe but i love the way it's shot it looks great and i love at the end they're like yeah. Yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they're like uh like the Powerpuff girls or something. Yeah. That's what I always makes me think of. They should have jumped <laughs> midair and then they could should have froze on that. They did. Don't they? That's I don't exactly think they're jumping in the air. Yeah, they are. I think they are. 
Are they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least one of them. I does. know their arms are in the air. Oh. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe Rosario is defying gravity. So I feel like somebody's in the air. <laughs> but then I love maybe. how the credits start, and then the, they go back, and we're like, wait, we're not done. And she just full on Kicks. leg to the sky and just drops Bones. it on his face. And that that dummy's head just, you know, the, the yeah. dummy from That's So Raven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> face crushes. Back, back, back again. <laughs> <laughs> back, back, back again. Speaking of. Um, yeah, it just smashes right through that face. And that motherfucker's dead. And all is well. And the until, the apo- until the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I guess till later that evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, literally within a few days. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has to be around then. I, in loving memory it, of Jungle in Julia. Planet Terror, it literally looks to me like. She Dakota. just died. Dakota is in the same outfit. Outfit, like it's the same day. Well, not. Well, I guess that would mean that this is happening. No, it can't be because this would ten put months death later. proof after. Yeah, this that would put death no proof sense. almost a year later, and that one. Oh makes my sense. god! Well, but then why did they make that tribute on? In Planet Terror, when Fergie as Tammy is driving, and it's like in loving memory of Jungle Julia. Yeah. I mean, which we mean when she died ten months ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't die ten months ago. She's dying. Yeah. Oh yeah, she did die ten months ago. This Planet yes, Terror. Yes, yes. T- yeah, that. because yeah, according yeah, yeah. to this, y'all they fucked up this timeline, <laughs> and we got their number. Yeah. You can't fool us. It has to be just a different day. Same hospital, different day. Maybe she just happened to wear that same top. I think it's a, yeah, exactly. That emerald just, green. Yeah, that like blue. <laughs> Bluish yeah, hued green. Blue. Yeah. That cerulean. Where she no doubt fished it out of a clearance <laughs> bin. Clearance bin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that is the end of Death Proof. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to give my final thoughts. I think that this movie is fantastic. I think it's empowering. I love the different methods he used. It's grainy at first, then it clears up, and then there's black and white moments. And um, I also love that it's shot in chronological order. Like, that's such... I mean, not shot, but, like, it's in chronological order. There are no flashbacks or jumping or, you know, it's... Yeah. So different for him. I don't think this movie is boring at all. I think it's rather exciting. However, there are some dips in the storytelling. Like you said, just all the useless dialogue. Much, yeah. Story it's too much padding. Don't go anywhere. And yeah. it's kind of hard to focus on what we need to get to because it's, we're, I don't know. It, it's kind of messy, but I don't yeah. think it's boring at all. Um, I don't think so either. And I think the only thing, and there's not much development for Mike, right? Like, we, I mean, we, I guess we do in the first half of it. But yeah. then, as far as him being like evil stuntman, Mike, we don't really get to know. We see him be evil all of a sudden in the first half. Yeah. And then we just, then he's, then it's the car chase. And that's pretty much all we get of Mike. It's funny because this is a rare movie where we get so much backstory, but so little character development. Yeah. It's like we know their story more than we know their personalities. Yeah, that is true. It is interesting. But I think it's well done. I think this movie is so well yeah. done. Yeah. I would rate this a little bit above Planet Terror. 
which I know for you is that's fine. You know, you're like, Mm-mm. I would give it a four and a half out of five. I was okay. I'll give it four and a half out of five too. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The only thing is that the the dialogue is padded. Yeah, and it you know unnecessary at some points, but I do like the dialogue as it's as that quintessential Quentin Tarantino wit and sharpness and yeah Quentin (laughs) Central and um yeah I think I think the dialogue's fine I know a lot of it I've watched this movie so many times now I'm always like Shanna Banana not Shauna Banana or like you know like there's so many quotes in this yeah that I I do love all right so four and a half out of five is what we give death yes all right this car has crashed and yeah (laughs) yeah it's burning now and yeah. next week we are doing our season finale 100th episode. Oh the, my god! The end of Fear the Talking Queers as we know it with season four. Yes! Wow! Crazy! I can't believe we're at the end. We're at the end now. Yes, and we're doing a very um, good movie that has a title that is very reflective of that, which is The Final Girls. Yes, just like us. This is yeah. the final girls. Yes. Sign off. Yes, final. Finito. So Finale. join us next week for that. But in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. We've been so busy that we've hardly been posting on it, but follow us on there because we have some great content. Yeah, exactly. Even like you can scroll for hours, I'm sure, and just look at all the beautiful things that have been created. Yes, yes, yes. it's worth your while. Absolutely. And make sure you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify where you can rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you loved the show. If this has been life changing for you. I know it has been for us. Yeah, absolutely. Rate us five stars because this is the best thing you've ever heard. Oh, and then (laughs) follow my podcast. I have new episodes every Wednesday. Valley Boy. Valley Boy. Amazing. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us for this two-year anniversary double feature episode part two electric boogaloo yeah Um, that we totally made up as we've gone along (laughs) yes (laughs) all right everybody well sweet screams bitch bye